Hello and welcome to this NLive's Open for Business podcast platform. My name is Adrian Price, the guy from the university, as I keep saying, with the perfect face for radio. And I host a show every Tuesday from 7 to 9 p.m. called Open for Business. Open for Business celebrates the very best of business in Northampton and Northamptonshire and brings together business, civic, charity and indeed academic leaders to talk about the business environment, to talk about initiatives and projects, especially where, they're, where they are all working together for the good of the community. So enjoy these extended interviews on this podcast. They're now set up as a standalone for you to savour and uh, to learn from some of the movers and shakers in the county. Enjoy. Well, I'm delighted to welcome um, a guest back to the show. This is Mike Hughes, the Director of Corporate Finance at Grant Thornton. And um, Grant Thornton do every year a report on the county, on the top 100 companies in the county called the Northamptonshire Limited Report. It's like a finger on the pulse of the economy and local business. And last week saw the launch of Northamptonshire 2020. So, Mike, uh, welcome back to the show. Um, the event went ahead, but slightly different to previous years, I guess. Hi, Adrian. Yeah, thank you. It, it, it did. And we had some time in the summer where we wondered whether we should just kind of park it this year and, and come back again next year. But we decided we wanted to uh, to continue the sort of sequence. This will be our, our seventh year. So we, we did it in a, a sort of virtual uh, for, format this year. Um, similar sort of uh, content, uh, presentation about how we saw the county, some of the uh, uh, you know key stats in terms of where it sits against uh, uh, other parts of the UK. And then a... Uh, a panel with, uh, I think, four really excellent uh, guests that, that came at sort of things with a with a different perspective to uh, debate a series of uh, of key questions about uh, how they saw business, uh, health, and uh, prospects at the moment. And we used the opportunity because uh, we had about 100 business leaders on the uh, the event with us. We used the opportunity to kind of take soundings uh, on each of those key questions to see, you know, in real time, really what uh, what those uh, what those guests uh, felt about. Uh, about the world and the, uh, and, the, and the prospects of the future. Indeed. Well, we'll come on to those questions in a minute. So the report itself, it is based on the top 100, right? And it's a sort of an economic and financial analysis from drawn from their annual report and accounts. Uh, it is. Historically, that's been the case. So we've always looked at the top 100 privately owned businesses. What we've done this year, because we felt that looking backwards was really not a particularly representative place to start, we've actually... Uh, worked more on some of the key uh, financial and economic data, both from those businesses, but, but stuff that's in the uh, in the public domain as well. For example, uh, the number of businesses in uh, the county that have taken up furlough, the uh, number of businesses that have been using the government-backed loan schemes, and some other stuff. So we tried to make it a lot more contemporary rather than kind of looking back at audited accounts. Mm, that's a good idea. So what were the sort of headline features then uh, results that you can report on in terms of uh, the health of our local economy yeah so i think um the overall summary would be actually quite positive so uh if you just take those measures i've mentioned on furlough uh, i think 13 percent of the workforce uh in northamptonshire uh spent some time on furlough during the summer uh compared to a national average of 16 percent uh we'd also uh analyze the uh, the take-up of the government loan schemes, and again, as a percentage, uh, that was low in uh, in our county compared to across the uh, across the UK. And you know, you can look at these things in two ways. You can say, well, surely it's a good thing to take advantage of furlough and to, to to take whatever money you can from the government. But but the bottom line is, 
you probably put someone on furlough because there isn't there isn't a job for them to do, uh, and you take money from the from the government on on a, on, a, on a loan because you you need it to to support your business. So if you're not using those uh, support measures, you can conclude, I think, that on on average or in general, businesses across our county are uh, more robust and perhaps in, in slightly better health than uh, the average across the uh, the UK. And we also saw that through uh, some, some analysis in terms of just how much sort of spare cash these businesses have. So you can you can look across and uh, work out sort of how many months cash they've got and what risk they have of insolvency. And again, uh, the figures for the county were better than average in that respect as well. That's very encouraging. Do you think, you know, is there any particular um, thought as to why that might be? Is it the mix or profile of the types of businesses we've got here? I think that probably is quite a lot to do with it. So uh, we've always said that one of the strengths of the county is the really uh, you know, diverse range of, of sectors and industries. Uh, so whilst we have um, you know, our, our share of sort of hospitality type businesses, which obviously have been, been hardest hit, it's not a dominant share. We've always, uh, because of our location, done very well in things like warehouse and logistics, which of course have been boom sectors, particularly with the sort of growth of e-com, uh, we've got strong manufacturing, which is in, by and large continued. So I think that the uh, I think the mix is, is 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 very positive for us in this case, Adrian. Mm. Well, I'm sure many people will be pleased to to hear that indeed. Um, and warehousing and logistics, as you say, they seem to have been going uh, gangbusters, and there are some organisations I'm sure doing exceptionally well. Manufacturing, I don't quite understand the rationale there. I mean, I know from my work with Scott Barter that they're doing very very well indeed. Um, is this because they are, you know, they've got foreign markets as well as UK markets? Is it, you know, why is the business to business doing well, perhaps? Even yeah, though I mean, I mean well, not. well, firstly, I think um, because they've been able to remain open. Uh, a lot of manufacturing sites have worked really hard to um, put in place uh, you know, COVID safe environments uh, to enable them to continue to, uh, to trade. And so, the, you know, the worst thing is if you have to shut the doors and you lose you lose output. I think most of the, a lot of the people I know have, have worked hard to, to keep that going. Um, because they're, because they're B2B, they're, they're less exposed, I think, to, you know, to, to, to the challenges in retail markets. Uh, and as you say, there's, there's quite a lot of, uh, quite a lot of those businesses export. There's also some tech. Let's not forget, you know, we've got things like the, um, uh, Silverstone technology cluster and some of the businesses there are, you know, really operating at the, the cutting edge of, uh, of manufacturing. So it's, it's you know, precision engineering, high-tech manufacture. And those businesses, I think, are, are much less affected by, uh, by the pandemic. They're, they're, they're less labour-intensive. They're, they're more about sort of skills and IP. No, interesting. Who was on your panel this year? Yep. So we had, uh, I think I say, a, re a really good mix. Uh, so we had Andy Dawkins, who's the CEO of uh, Avara. Uh, so large corporates is a billion uh, plus turnover business. Uh, we had Ron Lamb from Metro Springs. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's a, around a 10 million turnover business. Exactly the way I describe it, you know, a manufacturing business exporting to, to all sorts of overseas markets, very much an, an SME. Uh, we had James Sarachek, who uh, is from BGF. He's an investor, obviously working with a lot of local businesses uh, and, and very much sort of finger on the pulse in the, in the local market. Uh, and then Vicky Olomuka, who is the uh, uh, business growth manager at uh, Semlet. Right. So, and Vicky's coming on the show in the next uh, two or three weeks. Obviously, they're doing an awful lot and got a really good understanding of the local um, 
business scene. So you asked a series of interesting questions to uh, to the audience, and you, I think, Mike, you said there were about um, nearly a hundred people uh, on the on the webinar. Correct. Yep. 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 So we went through a series of eight questions where. Uh, for each question, the uh, the panel uh, got to comment, but they, they commented after the uh, the audience, if you like, had, had given us their views. And uh, you know, I think in, in a lot of ways, the audience view is, is so important for us. You know, to, to get a hundred people who, who we would consider to be the the real sort of business leaders of the county, their their views are, are hugely important to us. And you know, there was a uh, one or two things that, that really surprised me. Uh, so, and I think positively as well, Adrian. So, for example, the first question we asked was a really straightforward one, saying. You know, do you feel more or less positive about the future of your business now than, than you did in April? And this is obviously you know, two days after the, uh, the the current lockdown was announced. But I think we were at uh, two thirds of the uh, of the audience said they were more positive, um, and you know, only only eighteen percent said we're less positive. And I, I found that very encouraging. Mm. Indeed. Any others uh, highlights for you from the eight questions? Yeah. Well, I think the. Um, yeah, a pleasing one to me was a question about availability of finance. Uh, so only 5% of people said that uh, lack of available finance is holding them back. Uh, so, so the majority, the vast majority of people were able to report that they either didn't need external finance or, or over 60% of people said, I have access or I've secured all the finance they need to go forward. So that was, uh, that was really interesting. Um, we asked a sort of broader question around, you know, what could the government do to really help businesses more over the next 12 to 24 months? And we gave a range of sort of different, uh, a different sort of uh, options there. The, the, the biggest answer, the most popular answer was maintaining a, a consistent and low tax regime. And that might be a, might be a sort of, uh, might be a wish, but uh, that certainly was, was a very important, um, very important uh, requirement for business. Uh, and we also asked, you know, what, what is the top challenge you're currently facing? And the, and the three sort of answers there were um, changing customer demands uh, uh, and expectations, uh, which, which was the biggest one. But, but the second biggest was, was keeping our people safe um, and able to do their job. Um, so safe, motivated and able to do the job, which I think is, is again, it's good to hear and uh, it's very important, I think. Yeah, no, indeed. So what do you lessons do you draw for somebody that, um, you know, your, your personal area of business is the M&A, mergers and acquisitions market then? Um, you know, is it fertile ground for M&A or is it a quiet period? No, it's, it's a very uh, busy time for M&A. I think there was a, a moment sort of immediately post the first lockdown where everyone wanted just to kind of wait and see how things settled down. But uh, very much full steam ahead. There's been some some cracking transactions uh, happening, you know, right the way across the region and, and you know throughout my business. And when you when you kind of analyse it, it's not that surprising. I think that uh, shareholders that own uh, you know good businesses are perhaps feeling that you know they would rather perhaps be part of something bigger, you know, a bit of sort of safe haven, being being part of a bigger group, and, and are prepared to uh, prepared to sell out to uh, to achieve that. I think they're plenty of buyers out there recognizing that this is a good time to, to to buy good businesses, not just distressed businesses, but good businesses as well. And there, there are those growth businesses. So, uh, you know, we sold a, 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 a couple of really interesting businesses across the county, uh, you know, over the last couple of months where I think from the buyer's perspective, they would have bought those businesses in any market. It's not just about a sort of post-COVID uh, sort of environment. It's just saying these are cracking businesses that we would... Uh, you know, very much like to own.
Mm. So you personally are busy. I think you're telling me that your work um, pattern has changed and um, your diary is now has no gaps, no? <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, I think, you know, we were chatting, weren't we, just before uh, coming on air that the, uh, you know, the challenge for me about working from home is, is just the, on the one hand, it's fantastic to be uh, productive and efficient. But on the other hand, there's, there's a point where wherever there's a gap in your, in your diary, people know that you're going to be sort of sat in, in your desk at home and, can, and just book a slot. And uh, in the old days where I'd be, you know, walking around from meeting room to meeting room or perhaps getting my car to go out and see somebody, all that's gone. So uh, whilst I have been out to meetings with clients, I'm certainly finding that, uh, you know, it's, it's quite stressful having uh, the, uh, just the sheer volume of things to cope with, particularly given how, uh, you know, how busy we are as a team. And I kind of expect that that's replicated across other, business leaders, whether they're in professional practice or, uh, or public sector or, uh, you know, CEOs and FDs of, uh, you know, large and small businesses across the region. I think people are having to, uh, to work in a different way. And, you know, some of it's good, but some of it's challenging. No, indeed. Is it here to stay? If, if we had a vaccine tomorrow and it was everybody had it, do you think we'll go back to the old fashioned ways of working? I don't think we will completely go back, but I think people do, uh, hanker for a little bit of that sort of you know face-to-face -face, uh sort of contact and, and meeting so you know i've done a couple of pitches where we've turned up and uh i just think it's so much nicer to to, to interact with people directly rather than you know via a teams or a zoom or webex or whatever so i, I don't think we'll ever be in my business we would never be 100 percent working from home but i don't think we'll ever be 100 percent back in the office again either yeah, no, indeed. Well, as a people business, absolutely. We all have that need for socialization. Well, let's talk about people. You mentioned earlier on that, um, you know, the business leaders are very committed to keeping their people safe. What are you seeing about a, a softer or harder edge to capitalism with this crisis? Um, I think, that the, you know, what, what is capitalism? It's, a, it's about uh, using your assets and resources for maximum uh, financial profit, isn't it? I mean, that's the way I would I know it's much more eloquent discussion uh, or uh, description of it than that, but, but you know that would be one of the ways I would think about it. And uh, just at the moment, people are such a you know key uh, and valuable resource to be you know to be nurtured and, and looked after. That uh, I think a lot of business leaders are very very focused on their people, um, and they're focusing on on them you know very much to. Uh, secure their um, support and services in the longer term and if that means uh, you know investing in um, additional sort of um, facilities infrastructure to make sure those individuals are entirely safe and comfortable and able to go about their work as best they can whether that's working from home and sending everybody you know uh, extra sort of uh, desks and chairs and, and screens to work from home or whether it's putting in new uh, obviously COVID safe uh, facilities to work I think that that's taken up a lot of people's time and and coming in you know coming up with all the protocols and procedures that none of us would have imagined this time last year um, because in the long run if you don't look after your people and keep those uh, you know keep those individuals safe uh, committed into your business and, and, and fully motivated they will not be able to deliver and uh, support the uh you know the pursuit of uh of growth and, and ultimately profit in the future mm. so is it a mix of empathy and compassion alongside enlightened self-interest then that's <laughs> probably a pretty good way of describing it i think i've personally been impressed by 
many of the business leaders I've you know worked with over the years by how quickly they've uh, you know really got focused on uh, looking after all of the resources in their business, but particularly the people. Um, and some of those people I've always seen as being pretty hard taskmasters and uh, you know very very focused on bottom line. But but a lot of them have become uh, you know I've almost seen a different side where they where they they've kind of accepted that we are you know in a situation where it needs uh, a, a whole radical you know different approach and and I've, I've seen them you know respond fantastically mm. no and that message has come through from a lot of my guests over the last few months i've also hearing an awful lot of um collaboration both within a sector but across sectors too that the business community is trying to help each other out not let alone looking after their staff but also working more collaboratively have you seen that as well I think so, yeah, and, and I take, you know, I, I look at just in my own, uh, you know, you think always these things in your personal life. So uh, where I live, a little, little town with, you know, 25, 30,000 people, there's a huge sort of message around shop local. And I've seen that in plenty of other places as well. So so the, the, the local independents are probably doing as well as they've ever done because people are making a real effort to, uh, to support their local stores. And uh, A, because it's, you know, a lot of their product and, and, and service is fantastic, but B, you know, if we don't, then our town centre will die. Uh, and I think that the same is true if you take that into to wider business. Generally, uh, you know, people like to compete with each other. People like to come out on top, but you've got to have a sector where there are more than one. There's more than one player to, in order to uh, for that sector to thrive. So I think uh, you know, in, in times of challenge, it does bring out the best where people will pull together. And you know, if that means putting aside some of the old sort of you know, competitive rivalry as well. That's the right thing to do um, until everyone's back stable again and we can we can kind of go back to, uh, you know, perhaps more normal uh, environment. Yeah, this, this does seem to echo something we're seeing nationally and indeed internationally, a kind of different approach to, well, what should we call it? Corporate social responsibility or whatever. Now, last year we did some work together on the top 100 companies having a look at, you know, where they were on the sort of... Um, spectrum of taking into account environmental and social issues as well as economic and profit issues and I think Mike we were in a couple of events where roughly the score might have been you know they scored themselves four out of ten right um, you asked a question this week this uh, last week in the event about CSR so can you share with us the results because I was very pleased to hear the question and the results I have to say yeah I mean I think and uh you were kind enough to come along and present at our uh, our last. You're our keynote speaker at our last event, Adrian, and I know that was well received and certainly sort of peaked to the interest amongst uh, the business community that attended that event and then were part of the sort of follow up. So we thought it was um, important to kind of just gauge uh, how much that was still on people's agenda. So the question we asked was, um, how important do you feel sustainability and CSR activities are to your current business agenda and Bear in mind that you know the business agenda at the moment is pretty full uh, because of all the other stuff that we've talked about. But um, you know, out of out of that for that question, seventy percent of people uh, regarded CSR and sustainability as either a top priority or important, uh, and only sixteen um, percent of people described it as low priority. So I, I was pleased with that as well. I felt that that was a, a higher score than I'd have got. You know, if we'd have asked that question this time last year, and you know, it. it um, it speaks to me that uh, despite all the other stuff going on, this is still, you know, a really, really uh, important and perhaps a growing um, sort of factor in people's day-to-day -day, uh, business activities. 
Mm. Well, you were you kindly sponsored last week's event we had with Colin Mayer, and you listened to it, Mike. Just uh, and I did have Colin on for ten minutes in last week's show. You know that whole movement and discussion around purpose. Can you just give me a sort of a quick reaction to what you heard that day? Oh, I thought uh, I thought uh, Professor Mayer spoke a lot of uh, a lot of sense, and and you know when he said it out in a way that he did, which was very clear and, and concise. It's, it's very difficult to argue, uh, you know, ultimately the purpose of business. Uh, I think he, I think he described it as to, to solve problems or provide solutions rather than just to, uh, you know, just, just to make profit. And, and, you know, the making profit is important, but it's a consequence rather than a, you know, the, the, an objective in itself. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I thought that, uh, you know, that, that presentation you know, resonated with a lot of the, uh, a lot of the audience. Yeah, good. Right. So let's just change tax slightly. Um, I think one of your last questions was, you know, what keeps our business leaders awake at night? And um, you got a quite an interesting complex answer there, no? Yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, it's a question we ask every year and we, we kind of change the options a little bit in terms of uh, uh, answers. But, but uh, and you never get a complete sort of, uh, you know, a, a completely unanimous response. But the, uh, you know the two the two most um, important answers uh, this year were a recession, um, and then really interestingly for me, uh, a new sort of answer that we probably wouldn't have put on as an option any time previously, which is just the sheer number of business critical issues out of my control. Mm. Uh, and I, I really thought about that afterwards because um, you know the nearly 30% of people are saying that is the single biggest thing that keeps them awake. And do you know what, the more I think about it, the more I can absolutely understand why. I think if you are, if you're faced with a recession or a financial crisis or, you know, a single thing, it gives you a real focus and you can plan your day and plan your sort of business accordingly. When you are sat there looking and saying, well, have I planned for Brexit? What happens if there's a recession? Uh, how do I keep my people safe? What's going to happen with, you know, lockdown? Am I still going to have to talk to my, or be able to talk to my customers? Um, you know, what is going to go on with, uh, you know, government in terms of tax rates, all those things. I can imagine that someone who's then got to balance that with, well, actually, I've got to do the day-to-day, you know, keeping customers happy and making sure I talk to my suppliers and hiring the right people in my business and making sure I've got the right computer system, all those things. I, I can see how difficult that is and, and how really, really stressful and, and frankly tiring that would be to have so much on my plate that I just was kind of, having to take a take a bit of a punt on so um i was um i was interested to see that answer interestingly um the lowest response only five percent of people said that the thing that kept them awake was the the most recent lockdown and, and actually i think nearly 80 percent of people we spoke was uh, to join us on the day so they had a plan for the new lockdown so it's amazing how quickly people have gone from being wow this is you know completely new it's never happened in my lifetime so when it happens again, you know, a few months later, being ready for it and having a plan. And again, that that impresses me about our local business community. Yeah, very much so. So is there one level of uncertainty being removed then? Are you willing and able to just give me your views on the uh, the post-Trump world with Biden having uh, becoming the president-elect? <laughs> um, I mean, I think that the... the, the the time will tell how Biden is as a uh, you know his, his reaction to, to to the UK and to foreign policy. The thing that will change, our agent inevitably is he will be 
a more predictable and stable party or partner to deal with. And I think the, uh, you know, from, from a business perspective, from the UK perspective, that's probably a good thing. And if he comes back into uh, WHO and climate and things like that, you kind of want those guys being at the heart of stuff rather than sitting on the outside. So um, I hope that, you know, that'll be a platform for, uh, you know, continued strong relationships between between the UK and the US. But uh, as I say, time will tell. Time will tell indeed. All right, Mike. Well, look, that's a really great insight. Overall, you're telling us, I think that this is quite, um, what's the word? An upbeat message. We've got a, a resilient county that seems to be in a stronger position than the national average. And uh, overall, the business community is is doing well and well prepared for certainly lockdown. Brexit, different issue, but certainly uh, lockdown. Yes. So, you know, you must be pleased with the event. But were you pleased with that? Would you agree with that summary of the situation? Yeah, uh, we always hope that people will, you know, be positive and, and you know we can paint a strong picture of the county we don't set out to paint something that we don't see and, and this time we don't need to because the uh, the messages as you've just described were were strong and clear mike hughes thank you so much indeed director of corporate finance at grand thornton uh, based here in the in the region in the county mike a great pleasure to have you on the show thank you very much for your insights and your time uh, keep up the good work and keep safe thank you adrian thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed that interview there are plenty more here on the podcast platform. And of course, you can always listen on uh, live on Tuesday evenings from 7 to 9 p.m. on NLive Radio 106.9 FM or digitally via nliveradio.com. Um, if you'd like to know more about the radio station, please do look at nliveradio.com. And um, we're always looking for support from the community and further afield. So if you'd like to support us, please go to nliveradio.com slash support us. So until next time, thank you very much again for listening.